The New York Giants have some big questions to answer in the coming week if they're to avoid an 0-3 start. How are they going to approach it? Bobby Skinner of Talking Giants joins me next to break it all down. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. I am Patricia Trainer. Happy Monday to everybody. It's a new week. It's Eli Manning week. That's right. This weekend, Eli Manning's jersey retired during halftime of the week three game with the Atlanta Falcons. So that's something to look forward to. But uh, we have a week of football coming up, a week of practices and a week of questions that need to be answered about this Giants team, which is 0-2 to start the season. And joining me to help maybe offer some answers to these questions is the one and only Bobby Skinner of Talking Giants. Bobby, my friend, so glad to have you on the program. Uh, thanks again for having me on, Patty. And I was thinking about, you know, it's it's th- my third year doing this, my first year did some writing for you, and I was kind of going back, doing going back down memory lane with some Nick Gates uh, articles we uh, we did a couple of years ago. So it's good to come on. Yeah, and you hit it. You hit it with Nick Gates. So uh, your 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 analysis, Bobby, is really really good. I'm. And uh, that was a good piece for sure. I'm glad you brought that back, that one back up and really ashamed to see what happened to Nick. Good guy, you know, guy you've won in the foxhole with you and just wishing him all the best on as he recovers from that broken leg. That was just devastating. So, all right, Bobby, we got to talk about these, this giant team. Owen to what happened to the defense? Let's start there. I mean, I know that's a very broad question, but when you look at this defense, to me, I don't see any pass rush to speak of the secondary is a mess, you know, with the post coverages and the disguising and everything and leaving the middle of the field open. I mean, what are you seeing with this defense and and what's happened with it? To keep it simple. I think it's two things. One, James Bradbury was the, was the engine of the defense last year, you know, him shutting down the number one wide receiver. And it didn't matter who it was. He shut them down, you know, like a good game against James Bradbury last year was like 70 yards you know, and then we just saw Terry McLaurin go for 110 and a touchdown. So that was, those were, you know, 70 yards was a good game for last year. So Bradbury was the engine that made the defense run. And Patrick Graham was able to focus on the other half of the field because he knew Bradbury was going to shut that half down. And Bradbury has struggled the first two weeks, even the Bronco, you know, the Broncos game, he struggled. And the other thing is, is I think Patrick Graham, and I know people are turning on Patrick Graham. I still really do like Patrick Graham and I think he will fix it. There's been a lot of like, like trendiness towards what the what Staley did with the Rams and Vic Fangio did with the Broncos with running two high safeties and you know trying to stop the big play that way and and trusting your guys up front to stop the run. The difference is the Giants don't have the pass rushers to do that. And I think Patrick Graham, you know, off of a short week kind of did a little bit of that. I think he's gonna um I think he's gonna realize that. And also not having Dalvin there means you kind of need to put a little more emphasis on the stopping the run where last year it really was Dalvin Dex Leo. Like those guys stop the run and I'll let your linebackers get back in coverage and, and, uh, you know, like, you know, Blake Martinez and take right. Like they were able to focus a lot more on coverage because of those guys up front. So I think it's that and a mix. Like, I mean, Patty, go look at the box score. 
not, they have a lot of good players on their defense, a lot of playmakers. None of them made plays besides the one James Bradbury interception. I mean, they had one sack and one tackle for a loss, and they were both from Aziz Ojolari. Yeah, very, you know, a head scratcher because on, on paper, you would think they're better. Now, it's interesting. You brought up Dalvin Tomlinson, and that's the guy. I know I've kind of been beating the drum on this, and what's done is done. You can't go back and undo it. But when they lost him, I had serious concerns about the run defense. And I think so far we're kind of seeing it. I mean, they've asked Austin Johnson and Danny Shelton to kind of fill in for Dex. uh, I'm sorry, for Dalvin. Johnson's been okay. Shelton. Shelton's been so unathletic. He's, I was going to say he's been hit and miss. You 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 put it more bluntly than I did. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, Shelton, Shelton, he can he can like that first initial pop is great. It's just he's he's a big dude. It's it's you know the the plays where Dalvin would finish, he's not being able to finish those plays. Exactly. And you can definitely see that they're kind of missing his presence on the D line. Exactly, and and the other thing I'm kind of seeing a little bit more is teams are finding a way to neutralize Leonard Williams. I mean, are you seeing that as well? I haven't quite focused on that for this game, this past game. Um, you know, he had a sack in his grasp when he missed it this past week. You know, he had a couple of nice plays versus Denver, but he's not having that dominant matchup. Um, now, you know, the narrative has been like up. He got his contract and he got lazy. I don't think that's the case. You know, he had probably, if you look last year, he probably had a two game stretch just like this last season. And Leonard has been com- consistently really good in the NFL last year was obviously his best year. But if you go look at his besides the sacks, you know, he's had good tackles for loss, good QB hits, pressures every single year. So I wouldn't panic about Leonard, and I haven't really focused in on him yet from this past game. But it, it hasn't been good. You know, he hasn't made those plays besides that one really nice tackle for a loss versus Denver. Yeah, now let's talk a little bit about the edge rushers because they got back a healthy Carter, healthy Zimenez. Ojulari, I think, is going to be a stud in time, but the rest of them, you know, Carter, I'm not, and and to be fair, they're both, Carter and and, uh, Zimenez are coming off season-ending injuries. I get that, but I don't see the pop. I mean, I I just, I'm not sure what's missing from the game. You know, I, I, I see Zimenez, you know, if there's a run to be had, it goes right at him. Um, and, and I'm yeah. just, I don't know if the timing is off with those guys. I mean, what are you seeing from, from Carter and Zimenez in the pass rush? They're just not making the impact. I mean, th- neither one of the, you know, Carter has never been the, just beat a dude off the line, you know, right away. He's kind of like, you know, set the edge well, and he could kind of bull rush and, and get into a sack, but he's never like, he was Lorenzo's never going to be like a 10 sack a year guy. Um, you know, but he just hasn't had like those plays, you know, even la- at the beginning of last year, he had play- like plays you notice every game. You didn't have that. O'Shane has really struggled. Um, and I had, you know, I had some hope for O'Shane. I know after the draft when they, you know, they drafted uh, Aziz and Ellerson Smith and O'Shane was kind of everyone's hot topic to be the, you know, the quote unquote surprise cut. And I was like, well, give him some, like, he still got like some pure pass rush moves that, that Lorenzo doesn't have. Um, and he just has not showed up. You know, he's been – in, and then like you said, Patty, he doesn't do well versus the run. He doesn't drop back in the coverage. I think he might lose reps to Quincy Roche eventually at some point this year. And Aziz has looked okay for a rookie. Like, if if there was another good pass rusher, we'd be talking about how well Aziz has done all right so far for a rookie. But he doesn't, so he's kind of relied as the number one guy. So it's been a little underwhelming because he's our number one edge guy right now. 
Yeah, I was just going to ask you, does this team have a legitimate number one? I mean, obviously, the last time they had a legitimate number one, you could say maybe JPP. And since then, they've had, to me at any rate, it's just been like a bunch of number twos and no, no true number one guy that you have to double and triple up if you're the opponent. Yeah, they don't. Aziz could turn into that. Um, I know a lot of people wanted Aziz in the first round or having the first round. I was kind of down. I was. I. I actually loved loved him where the Giants got him was pick fifty. You know, that's kind of where I saw him. Um, because you look at some of like the more athletic tackles in college football, and they kind of t- uh, were able to to handle him. So he could become that guy, but he's not it right now. You know, like he had some. You know, the sack the sack on uh, Thursday was was really good. Um, the one versus the Broncos was. I hate the I hate the term coverage sack because if you look at it, like ninety five percent of sacks are quote unquote coverage sacks, but that one was extra, you know, like like plenty of time. So he's had moments. He just hasn't been consistent. Which, to be fair, he's a second round rookie and he shouldn't be relied on as that like true blue pass rusher right off rip. Yeah, definitely. Now the other half of the pass rush equation, obviously, is the defensive secondary, which we touched upon a little bit. But let's go a little bit more into that. You watch this secondary, and I don't know about you, but I am alarmed at how much space is open in the middle of the field. What are you seeing there? I mean, to me, it looks like some of the post-snap disguises, when they're coming off of them, they're not getting into position quickly enough, or they're telegraphing something you know, to the quarterbacks that makes it easier. I mean, but what are you seeing when you look at them? I, I mean, I see the same thing that you were just saying is they're they are giving a lot of cushion and they just don't have the rushers up front to cushion. So I think that will be something Patrick Graham changes is maybe, you know, I don't think they're going to go man, 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 like crazy. Cause they did a, they did a lot of that versus Denver and it didn't work great. Uh, Cause they, and then guys like Darnay Holmes will get taken advantage of peppers versus athletic tight ends will probably get taken advantage of. I think they're really, <clears throat> they're going to have to ask Bradbury and Adore on the outside to, to be able to be those press up guys. And then while you have, you know, Peppers, McKinney, you know, and then Blake and the other linebackers to kind of play that shallow, but just played a little more shallow and trust in Logan Ryan and other guys to make plays. Um, but that, and the secondary is they were, they were a bend don't break defense last year, you know, um, but they didn't break. And, and, la- and this year they have broken on a few plays and James Bradbury has had a uh, bad reps, especially in the red zone. Um, so that's been I think that has really been the biggest issue is in the red zone. James Bradbury hasn't been James Bradbury. Um, so I, I just think that's the biggest issue. So I, I do believe, I, you know, a lot of a lot was said about Patrick Graham. And I still I believe all those things. So I do think there will be changes. I mean, look at last year where was anyone really impressed with Patrick Graham week one last year? You know, it was all right, but it wasn't anything special. Week two versus the Bears. Decent, but that was a very bad Bears offense. And then week three, they got blown out by the 49ers. And then the Rams game is when he started to like show out. So defenses take some time to catch up with offenses in the NFL to start the season. You always see the first you know few weeks, it's offenses are always throwing out their new uh, schemes and stuff, and they blow up. And then as the year comes on, goes along, defenses adjust. So I, I'm not like panicked about giving up on the defense, but it has been a problem the first two weeks in the team in a, in an area where we expected progress, not regression, and they've regressed. Yeah, but Patrick Graham will get it straightened out. I, I'm fairly confident in confident in that because this is a guy who just I think obsesses over the little details and doesn't you know he yeah. jokes about not sleeping and not shaving and all that stuff, but hopefully he gets that uh, straightened out. 
Hey, Giant fans, this is Patricia Trainer, host of the Lock on Giants podcast with an incredible app everyone needs to know about. It's called Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up at the pump. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first fill up. That's 50 cents back. So don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Bobby, let's talk now about the offense because there were things I saw that I'm sitting there going, what is going on? Now, the good news I thought Daniel Jones looked fantastic against Washington. I mean, a couple of missed plays here and there, but for the most part, big, big step forward for him. The use, though, of the personnel. I mean, Kyle Rudolph got two targets the entire game, one in the first quarter, one in the fourth quarter, none in the red zone. Okay. Help me make sense out of this. Isn't that one of the appeals for him? The, the appeals of of, of uh, Rudolph, why they signed him? Yeah, that is the appeal for for the uh, for the red zone. Which, if you go back and look at a lot of Kyle Rudolph's touchdowns, it's very much like them just throwing floaters up and him getting it, which Jones has never really done because he's never really had those weapons. So I think that like, and if there's one critique I do have of Daniel Jones, and Dan Orlovsky said this last year, and, and this sounds weird, but. He's almost on when he's throwing the ball downfield, it's almost too perfect. You know, he's trying to get the guy perfectly in stride, like perfect touch. And then with a guy like Kenny Galladay and Kyle Rudolph, you almost want it to be a little bit behind them. Let them adjust and change to that. You know, where with Darius Slayton, with Sterling Shepard, when they're downfield, you want that perfectly placed football. So if there was one like if there was one critique, like remember the Darius Slayton touchdowns versus Detroit his rookie year? Throw some of those balls, you know, where they weren't perfectly placed but they were put behind him, allowed him to go make a play. So that would be my critique of Jones with those two guys because, like, that one drop that Kenny Galladay had and they said they were grabbing at him, like, yeah, they were. But you know what? If that ball is thrown a little bit behind, that grab is a lot more obvious and Kenny Galladay is maybe able to adjust and catch it. But the offense, um, Jones has looked good. I think he's taken a step forward. And I think something that is underrated is we're talking about the O-line. I think Andrew Thomas being good these first two games is really showing in Daniel Jones. Because I think when he can trust his blind side, he can manipulate the pocket a lot better. And that was a big critique of his. And, and that was probably, after his rookie year, that was my biggest critique of him more so than the turnovers was the way he moved the pocket. He was kind of just like a lame duck in there sometimes with a, with a guy that could move like he could. So I think that has made a difference because Solder hasn't played well. And Price, when he was in uh, last week, he didn't play well. Hernandez hasn't been, uh, you know, great. And uh, Bredesen, like he didn't, like, you know, besides Andrew Thomas, it hasn't been great across the line. Um, and, you know, Gates was good in week one, obviously was lost in week two. So I think he's been manipulating the pocket better. So th- I kind of got off on a on a, on a a rabbit trail of your question. But basically what I'm saying is it seems like Daniel Jones is manipulating the pocket a little better and you're seeing some of those results in the passing game. Yeah, but I'd like to see Kyle Rudolph targeted a little bit more, especially in the red zone. In the red zone. He looks – now, it could be coming off the foot injury. 
he looks very slow. Like Caden Smith, who's yeah. not the fastest guy in the world, looks more athletic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see some of the big, you know, the running plays are are usually sprung by Caden Smith. You know, the Saquon one was they use him in the in the in the read option with Jones. He's the guy out there lead blocking. I've always been a proponent uh, for Caden Smith. And right now I would give Caden Smith more reps than Rudolph. But like you said, in the red zone, uh, Rudolph should be getting some targets because of, you know, he can just be like a power forward and box guys out and make those plays. I mean, he has one drop in three years. Yeah. Now I want to go back to the offensive line because when I was looking up the stats, most of the pressures came from the interior, which was surprising. I think between Andrew Thomas and Nate Solder, they only had, I think, three pressures allowed the entire game. Billy Price, I believe, had five. I want to say Hernandez had four. And I think Bredesen had three. And, and, and that per pro football focus. And I'm going off a of memory there. But I was surprised to see most of the, the pressures coming from the interior. What's going on? You know, and I also watching in watching the tape, Washington, as every team seems to do against that offensive line, a lot of stunts, a lot of twists. Mm-hmm. A lot of stunts. These Here, these guys. When are these guys going to be able to to like handle this? It's like, you know, I did see the one play, and I think you highlighted it, where there was a twist, and Caden Smith went and got the right guy, and kind of yeah. saved the play. That that might have been the the. Barkley it was the run. Saquon run, yeah. which is it's it's why the Giants don't run a lot of twists, is because when you run twist versus the run, you lose your gap responsibility, and that turns into big plays. Um, and the Giants picked it up perfectly on that play, um, and Caden Smith was one that popped it, but. I will say, you know, because I was very critical of the moving Billy Price to center for this game. Washington has the best front four, and specifically because of those interior guys of Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. Like, those guys are beasts. You know, Nick Gates last year played well. His second worst game, only to the opener versus Pittsburgh, was versus Washington. So, like, they are really good up front with those, you know, from even like a backup like Ioannidis is, is a decent player. Um, but like you said, the pressure was coming up the middle. Price struggled. Um, Hernandez played better than he did versus Denver. And I will say, this is this is a Giants podcast. I feel like Chase Young just hasn't put it together yet. Like he just like he versus Nate Solder, Von Miller was bull rushing him and kind of like ragdolling him. And Chase Young just kept on trying to go around the corner on him, going around the corner. And Nate Solder, to his credit, was just like, "All right, if you want to do that, I'll walk it around." And Jones was stepping up. Um, with that and, and Andrew Thomas was handling his stuff but yeah the pressure was definitely up the middle in this game versus Washington I'm interested to see how it is versus Atlanta where Atlanta seems to be like the get right game for everybody's offense so I'm interested to see how they look in a, versus a team like that were you surprised with the um with the usage or lack of usage with Kenny Galladay and and Kadarius Tony especially Tony is such a I, I don't know. I'm not even going to critique the Tony thing because it just has been such a weird start to his career, you know, and um, I'm not media, but he called you some clowns, uh, Patty. I, I probably not you specifically, but it was, I thought that was kind of, I don't know what's going on with Kadarius. So I'm not even going to critique that Kenny. They are. It's interesting. I think Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard have benefited from Kenny Galladay being there and Daniel Jones isn't going to be the force it, you know, like crazy to one guy type uh, QB. So you've seen like big plays of Slayton. He dropped the one. Sterling Shepard has had a good, like a, had a really good season. Um, and I think that is a benefit of Kenny Galladay. I think they need to add some pure progressions, you know, where it's like, hey, you're going, you're not looking at pre-snap what they're showing and going to where you think it's going to be open, just like like a one, two, three type thing, which is what Pat uh, Shermer did with with Daniel Jones, that they want to get him more involved. But they target him a decent amount in this past game. 
I think he had eight targets. He only had the three catches, though. You know, he had uh, two drops um, and then a couple other plays. So they they have targeted. They did target. Week one, they didn't. Week one, it was it took until the fourth quarter. That was a big critique. But week two, I thought they did target him a decent amount. They just didn't convert on a ton of them. Yeah, but let's let's stick with the Tony thing and and you know media attack or whatever you know his opinions aside, which you know if I were advising him, I'd say, look, dude, keep that to yourself or to vent to your friends and don't put that out there because it's not a good look, and just use that motivation to you know step up. But what are they missing? I mean, what can this kid eventually bring to that offense? I mean, I, I look at him. I see end arounds, you know, because I, I know every time the Giants do an end around with Shepard or with Slayton, I just, I sit there and I go, oh, God, not again. You know, I cringe. I don't cringe so much if I think Tony's going to run it. And I think he's run maybe one so far, if I'm not mistaken. But, I mean, there, there's got to be a place for him. Is it because Sterling is playing so well in that slot? And maybe they're saying, okay, you know what, let's ride the hot hand, which right now is Sterling and we'll, we'll bring – the rookie along slowly or, you know, what, what do you think is, is behind that? I don't know. I think it's just, they don't trust him. Like Tony and, but Tony had things to work on coming out of the draft. Like his route running. It's like, Hey, you know, this is a timing league. You have to be on time. You can't like your QB needs to know when you're breaking and stuff like that, but he's not, it's not like he's the worst route runner in the world. Like he still is a good route runner. He just needs to clean it up. So I'm, I'm surprised they haven't used him more in the receiving game. And then, you know, I guess, you know, him and, you know, Judge kind of sat him down and the, the other because they had him out there, um, but they're playing him on the outside, which you can do. I don't know. It's it's that's the one thing where it's like I can critique everything. I don't know what to say about the way they use Tony. You know, obviously, like you said, you want to use him with some of those gadget roles, which they um they did the first couple of weeks, uh, first couple of series versus Denver. But what I would say is you don't have to give him the ball every time you do that. Like that little swing pass they threw to him, which I liked. That can set up so many more things. You know, they ran QB draw a couple times. Like, that will leave the middle of the field open. It'll leave slants for Sterling Shepard over the middle. So that just putting him in that type of motion, that orbit motion, sets up like a million different things you can do because the defense eyes go to him. You know, so it can pull the safety down and you're taking a deep shot to Kenny Galladay on the other side. Or So that's the way I would use him. It's not even necessarily just force-feeding him the ball. Use him as a distraction. Yeah. I mean, find a, find something for him. I mean, I found it interesting that I don't think he's had one single kickoff return this season. I mean, no. it's still early, granted, and they've called up CJ Board now, I think, twice from the practice squad. So the next time they call him up, they either got to keep him or, you know, run the risk of him getting exposed to waivers. I, I don't, you know, so I don't know what they're going to do, but I'd like to see, you know, Tony return kickoffs. I mean, if you're not going to use him on offense, at least let him try that. Yeah, I, I mean, and I know there's more to kick returns besides catch the kick return and then run, but I mean, you can't teach him the ins and outs of that. Like, yeah, I, I'm a big proponent. Like, put him out there. Like, give him opportunities to make plays. You know, like, is he, what is CJ Board adding as a? Is he some dynamic kick returner? You know, and, and like you said, they they need to either bring him up to the active roster or not use him at all. You know, and they they even use him on an end around. Um, so yeah, like use him. I mean. He's a first round player. He wants to play. Find ways to play him that aren't, you know, that aren't hurting the team. You know, I'm not exp- I'm not asking like you said, I'm not asking him to play over Sterling Shepard, but he should play. Hey Giant fans, if you're looking to get your TV in order, eliminate all those extra remotes and get all the programming you love on one device, you've got to check out Direct TV Stream. 
It brings you your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to ever buy another device again. And the best part is there is no annual contract. So get your TV together. Check out DirecTV Stream at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies according to package. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up with Bobby Skinner, our special guest today. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is a healthy, low-carb, low-sugar, and high-protein treat that will satisfy your sweet tooth. Covered in real milk chocolate, available in nut and nut-free varieties. There's uh, nine amazing flavors, plus the occasional limited-time varieties to choose from. So no matter what your taste is, there's sure to be a flavor that will satisfy it. And right now you can get 15% off your first order when you use our promo code LOCK15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. All right, so the Giants have Atlanta coming up. Kyle Pitts, okay, uh, Ridley. You know, you mentioned that Atlanta is a team that teams can get right against, but um, are you concerned about some of the matchups early on here, especially, you know, like I said, Pitts versus that defense, given what we have seen from that defense? And how do you adjust to maybe limit what Pitts can bring? Yeah, with Pitts, I mean, you can bring Peppers down and kind of jam at the line and then, you know, get into your zones and have your linebackers playing under. Um, you know, throw different looks at him with Logan Ryan. Um, with Ridley, it's like James Bradbury. We got, we need you to step up. You know, we we just need you to step up. Um, so that I mean, those are those. Is, it's it's not some long answer, but I think that's it's with Pitts. Kind of get into him. Get you know, get his timing off with Matt Ryan. You know, we talk about Kadarius Tony and timing. Like Kyle Pitts is very new to the NFL too. You know, him and Matt Ryan's timing probably isn't perfect yet. I haven't I haven't really watched them a ton these first two. I guess first one week they haven't even played a second game yet while we're talking but uh yeah i mean just kind of get him all you know reroute him where that was kind of my big critique versus denver was with when fan it's like well they're just kind of giving him a free release and you know i know people can critique pepper's man covers but like fans are first top 10 athletic tight end like you give him free release he's gonna beat you and on drag routes and slant routes and out routes you know depend you know unless you have the best you know cover safety in, in the league on him yeah, I, I, I'm concerned about that matchup for sure. But let me back out a little bit here because I want to go to something that Judge has been saying about the team that I remember Shermer saying about the team, and it drove me kind of crazy. Judge, you know, as we know, Bobby, he's never really called the team to task. He's never said, okay, this isn't acceptable. You know, he hasn't been harsh on them. And I get why he is like that. That said, he keeps saying, there's improvement. You know, I keep seeing improvement. I see improvement. And I remember last year he was saying that. And I asked a question. I said to him, can you define what improvement you're seeing? Because it's not translating over to the field. What are you seeing that the rest of us aren't? And he's, you know, he answered the question. He said, you know, I'm, I'm watching the film and I'm seeing things that we're doing better that we weren't doing better maybe a day before or a week before or whatever. But the bottom line is, is the improvement that's being made isn't coming over to the field. So my question is, is how much longer can you sit there if you're Joe Judge and say, well, we're getting better, a little bit better each day. 
when the results aren't there. I mean, how much longer can can fans tolerate that? And unlike Shermer, this team has expectations to win games this year. You know, like the expectation is win or people will be fired. Um, I, you know, those press, like I, I, I really don't take much about like his direct answers in pressers. I always look for like maybe little things that he might reveal in the details of answers. Um, but it's, it's, it's really at the end of the day, at all that matters, you know, Patty is, is, is if he wins. You know, like, if, and you've seen, like, people love Joe Judge. They love everything he says. And then they lose two games. And it's like, you know what? I kind of hate people are, you know, not you, the media, but like fans are like, I kind of hate everything this guy says. Really, all it comes down to is winning. And I like what Joe Judge is about. But my biggest critique would be he has a conservative nature. And we show, it showed last year on fourth downs, especially. I mean, they were one, they were very unaggressive on fourth downs and, and not even. You know, like if you're on your own 30 and it's fourth and one, I get not going for it. But there was times even at the end of games where it's like, dude, this game is on the line. You're not going for it. Um, you saw the way they attacked uh, on offense after the James Bradbury interception. Um, you know, the the defense, you know, in that last drive, they were like backing off. It's like they're going to they're going to cut at you and, and get down the field this way. You, like, you need to play more aggressive defensively on this drive. I get you don't want to get beat by the big play, but still. Um, so what I think it really comes down to is win 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 that's all that matters i mean patty last year we beat the seahawks or the giants beat the seahawks and they scored like 15 points and people were praising jason garrett for his game plan in that game you know so really at the end of the day all that matters is win does what you are doing translate to wins and right now it hasn't he is six and 12 as a head coach yeah which you know i i think he's i still say he's the right guy for the job i Me like too. most of what he's doing you know do i agree with everything no but I like a lot of what he's doing, and I like that he has a plan. And I think Speaking he's a smart guy that knows how to adjust, too. You know, Yes. And yes. I have been a huge critic of the offense, like a huge critic of the offense the past uh, year and, and, and two weeks. But you know what? Their run game, they changed it mid-season mid, uh, last year. You know, I remember calling it out. It's like, this is a high school running game. They're running the ball like they have a good offensive line, and they don't. And they changed it mid-year, you know, and – you know, they changed Andrew Thomas the way he, uh, you know, he, he, his pass blocking midseason uh, after that Eagles game. And then they, uh, you know, brought in DeGuglielmo, uh, DeGuglielmo, I guess. I always get his name wrong. Um, and, and so they, like, I do think he makes adjustments. And you see on the defense, they're trying new things. They didn't just like, okay, what last year happened worked. Let's just run the same exact stuff. Now, maybe they should get back to a little bit of that. Um, so I, I still do believe in Judge, but, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're the right man for the job. If you don't win games and it's, it, it falls on you. And, you know, like I think Pat Shermer got some of the blame for, well, he got, I, I think he paid, like he, he got the consequences for, you know, the roster not being good the first two years. The defense will had a horrible, you know, like horrible talent that second year. And Pat Shermer kind of got the blame for it. And he was never brought in to really sure up the defense. That was kind of all on Betcher. So um, I know it sounds simple, but like, Win and it fixes everything. The little things, you know, people start to ignore, and you, you just kind of like get better at your strengths, and then it, it's easier to adjust your weaknesses. Yeah, John Madden, I think, was the one who used to say that winning is like deodorant; it covers up a lot of stinks. So yeah. I think it's applicable here. I have think to about ask this, you, Patty. I, I would, you know, people talk about uh, Daniel Jones and the turnovers. I was talking about this with somebody the other day. You remember that that Tampa Bay game, his first year, like the yeah. first game. 
He mm-hmm. fumbled twice in that game, but nobody remembers those fumbles because right. they won and he had the big plays. And so, and I think he Jones, was player of the week that week too. Yeah, so it's like, you know, he had turnovers in those games and there's been other games, he's, you know, he's had turnovers, but at the end of the day, it's, it's when you win that winning. Exactly. That, like you said, it, it, you forget all the little bad stuff. You kind of, sure, you know, sure, absolutely. Uh, you know, the center blew up, you know, he had three bad snaps, but we won the game. We'll get over it. Yeah, definitely. All right, final question for you. I've got to ask you about Jason Garrett because he's taken a lot of heat. A lot of people are frustrated with him. He's too conservative. He's not a fit for what they have. What do you see with Jason Garrett? I mean, I know I've asked different guests this question and I've gotten different responses. Let me ask you the question as to what how you feel about Jason Garrett running this offense. Dan Orvlosky talked about it this past week, and I agree with 100%. I don't think he puts his players in easy positions. I think it's fair. And even I went back and watched this Washington game, and the Giants offense played well, but it's very much just beat your guy, beat your guy. And we don't have the offensive line. We have good, you know, good, they have good receivers, but not great receivers. Um, And like it's just nothing is easy for Jones. And it's a lot of priests. Like the stick concept has not worked. He, like the stick concept is a is a perfect is a great concept if you're the Kansas City Chiefs and teams respect you, but the teams don't respect us. And we've seen Daniel Jones be able to throw the ball downfield well. And something I do is I chart plays that had two 15 plus yard design routes and plays that don't. You know, so like the Darius Slayton touchdown, that wasn't a really a like I that doesn't fall into that category because only had one play you know designed to go downfield. And Daniel Jones, when he has that, when he's reading high to low, he's a totally different quarterback than when it's pre-snap, see where they're aligned, pick a side, make one read off of one linebacker, and that's where you're going. And teams are just – they don't respect the Giants, and they're sitting on stuff and and jumping on it. So um, I am – I will give Garrett – he did a lot better job in week two than week one, but I – Garrett would have to totally change for me to kind of get back on his side. Yeah, I, I'm quite surprised. I, I know when they hired him, I thought, oh, he's going to be great for this offense, you know, being a former quarterback. I figured he, you know, and Dallas, you know, they always had, even though they never made it to the playoff or, or deep in the playoffs, they still made it. So I figured, okay, they were productive. You know, they were among the stat leaders in certain categories. And, you know, it's is it like, okay, did the, he have better players in Dallas than he did here or what? So it's like. The good old line helped. And yes. something I overlooked was like, he didn't call plays until 2012 or since 2000, like that's a long time to go between calling. And he yeah. asked for it back and they, they were, they like Jerry Jones was like, no, you're not going to be the guy calling the plays. Um, yeah. It's not like riding a bike, you know, no. you, game changes, the personnel changes. I mean, it's not the same. And, and that's a good point, but you know, Garrett year two of calling the plays. And, and I agree with you. I thought he had a better game this on Thursday than he did against Denver. Denver, I was like, but, Denver uh, had me. I mean, I was just like, this is, they told us things were going to change and it was the exact same, same approach thing. as last year. Yeah. So, and he had good games last year called, you know, like the Tampa Bay game. And I always point to that as an, ex- an example. Like, I think that was Daniel Jones' worst game of his career by far. They yeah. still scored like 25, like 23, 24, 20, like somewhere in that range of points. Like that was one of their better offensive performances and Daniel Jones' worst game. And that was kind of like always been my thing. Like, well, see, like, look, Daniel Jones has worst game. You still scored more points than you usually do. So imagine when he's not. So I think that the offense can execute well and have good games. But I just think there's a cap on this offense that isn't uh, made by personnel and it's by Jason Garrett. I mean, and I, and I think it, like Philly last year, the offense played dang near flawless in that game and they put up 27 points 
And I think that really is kind of my issue with Jason Garrett is that, you know, the offense can be executed well, but it's like give, make things easy for your players where not every mistake is blown at like, bl- like game changing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're not that good. They're not good enough at this point, I think to overcome some of those, those mistakes that they've yeah. been making, but uh Look, it's early. It's two games in. You know, hopefully they start to hit their stride in week three. Otherwise, we're in trouble, man. It's going to be a long, ugly year. Yeah, I'm not ready for it. I, I had expectations for the team to win this year, so I, I can't do another losing season covering this team. I've been doing it what since? Gosh, since the Super Bowl year. Yeah, I, since 2011. I so. I am very thankful for when I got into this was Eli's last year because I don't know if I could have handled the like the Eli the end of the year Eli talks I think I would have lost my mind oh, so it, I, it, I got it in it right rough. just the right time where it's like okay the new QB's here and we could talk about that because it, it, it's been rough man I you know I tell pe- I tell people all the time because I think some fans think oh the media loves it you know because there's blood in the water I hate covering a losing team everybody it's, does it's it's like you know. It's more work, number one. Not that I'm against working hard. I, you know, you know me. I, I work nonstop. But there's more things you have to do, and it's like you just can't come up with the answers. Not to mention you got a, a bunch of fans who follow you and depend on you, and and just looking for answers, and you don't have the answers to give them. It's because it's like you're not directly influencing what they're doing to fix the problem. You know what I mean? So it's just really, really difficult. And I hope this year. They turn it around. You know, I, look, I always point to the 2017. They started 0-7, and the defense looked like garbage, if you remember. And they turned it around won a Super Bowl. Now, I don't think this 2021 team is going to win a Super Bowl, but can they turn it around and finish with a winning season? I haven't given up hope yet. The season's not over, and to yeah. their uh, credit, the NFC East looks really bad again. So that can be their saving mm-hmm. grace, you know, now I don't – if they win the division at six and ten, I will still want people gone. But you know they can yeah. win this division at nine and eight, and it would uh it it would feel a lot better. So they uh the season's like you said the season's not over. There is talent on this team. You know if, if the two thousand nineteen team started zero and two, it I think it would be a, like a lot different situation. Well, they did start zero and two, but I think it'd be a lot different situation than this team because there is talent. You do kind of believe in what Patrick Graham and Joe Judge are doing. Um, and it's year three of the QB as well, and he's he's looked pretty good so far, right? Like, yeah, um, it looks like he's taken a step forward. Uh, um, you know, there was one fumble versus Denver, but besides that, I think we all feel good about how Daniel Jones has played uh, so far. Here's this Daniel Jones that Tampa Bay game. I mentioned it. He's thrown one interception since that time, and it was off Evan Ingram's hands. So technically, he's thrown no interceptions since that time. So uh, some of the okay. turnover stuff has been cleaned up a little bit. A little bit. Just the fumbling has got to get cleaned yeah. up a little bit more. That's, that's, although if he could put together a few string, you know, a few games without fumbling, then I will feel better. I had Baldy on the show last week and he said he's got to put together a string of games, no fumbles, because the fumbles are just, you know, you just can't make excuses for them, you know. I so. love, I love Baldy. And, and I'll, I'll ask you this, I guess, uh, to end. How do you, critique fumbles like it's 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 so frustrating it's like i wish his weakness was something else because if it was yeah. you know his decision on this play which you know there's other weaknesses like or, or like it's like it's like how do you critique a fumble besides just saying stop fumbling like i you know obviously there's there's more to go to it the way you put your hand but it's like 
Yeah. I'm not that guy. It's like, it's just, I, I just, you just want to like shake them and like, like stop fumbling the ball, hold on to the ball. You know? <laughs> no, it's difficult because you know, when, when you're, when you're running in the open field, obviously you want the high and tight. Remember Tiki had that problem mm-hmm. and they fixed it by having him high and tight all the time. But with a quarterback, it's a little different because it's not like, okay, you're, you're catch you're, you're getting the ball behind the line of scrimmage and you have time to adjust, move it to high and tight. You know, you've got to make that split decision to take off with it, you know, and you can't always get it high and tight, but what you can do is you can ask Daniel not to hold the ball. You know, sometimes he'll, in the past, he would hold it out and kind of with, with the one hand. And it's like, dude, you're asking for that ball to get knocked loose. And the fumbles in the pocket have gotten better. And part of that mm-hmm. has been the uh, play of Andrew Thomas, but like yeah. you said, it's the ones in the, when he's running, it's like, there's no excuses for those. Like if you're yeah, getting I hold my breath, like, you know, rookie year and you know, in his back swing and he'd get lit up from his back on eight shoulders. Like, well, I can't be mad at him for fumbling that ball. But yeah. when he's so, when you are aware of the hit, um, like that's when it's fully like, okay, like you need to hold on to the damn ball. Yeah. Good point. I mean, that is a good point about how do you, fix the fumbles. Every fumble has its own story. You're absolutely (laughs) right. So Bobby, listen, this is great. I appreciate it. Giant fans. You can find him on talking giants. I'm going to put a link to the show to Bobby's uh, podcast in the show notes, as well as uh, you have his Twitter handle, which you see under the screen. And uh, we will be back again tomorrow. Tomorrow is Twitter Tuesday. So guys, you, you know, the drill again, that's going to be in the show notes where to send your questions. And then we've got uh, shows the rest of the week. We're going to have crossover Thursday. Aaron Freeman of the of Lockdown Falcons will be with us. So, so much more is coming up here on the Lockdown Giants podcast. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Bobby, thank you for the time. As always, it was great. And, folks, we will talk to you again tomorrow.